We're in this competition. A question that if we leave, that most people never ask, actually. It's a question that few people really ask and dive into and kind of wrestle with. And because they never ask it, they never really have an answer. And if we don't answer it, it's going to start to feel like we're running this race in life. Have you ever felt that way? Like you're kind of in this competition and you look on Instagram and everyone else seems to know what the rules are and the the end result, but you just don't really understand. You're kind of out in the middle of nowhere. You don't know where the starting line is or the finish line, and you're just kind of lost on this course with no direction. And if we don't ask this question, that's how we can be in the important areas of our lives. And the question is this, what's the win? What's the win? Why am I doing this? What am I trying to accomplish? In your, in your relationships, maybe you're, you're dating right now. What's, what's the win in that? What are you hoping to achieve out of that? Maybe with your finances, what's the win? What are you saving for? Are you saving? What do you do with that paycheck when you get it? What's the win that you're striving for? Maybe in just this season of your life right now, you're in your 20s. Maybe you're in your 30s. I'm at the tail end of my 30s. What am I doing? What am I hoping to achieve by the time I hit that next season? Maybe in your marriage, what's, what's the win for that? What are you striving for as a couple to make sure that you're successful in that? In the areas that matter most, few people actually define the win. And if you don't define the win, you'll get caught in this game kind of just trying to do what everyone else is doing, right? Have you ever felt that? Where you just see like, oh, well, you know, they, they just bought that camper. So I, I think we need a camper. Or they just went on this vacation to Florida. Everyone's going to Florida right now. Have you noticed that? And then you think, man, we got to go to Florida too. Our kids haven't been in two years. We got to go. Or our kids haven't been. We need to go. And you'll start adopting someone else's win as your own. And that never seems to work out, does it? Because you don't know why they're doing it. And so we start to just spiral into going from here to there to there. And then you don't really know what you're striving to get. Uh, This pastor, Adam Johnson, he refers to this as not goals. And not goals might start to creep up where you just say, you know, I just don't want to be like my mom. You know, I'm just, I don't want to parent my kids like my, my parents did. I just don't want to be like them. And instead of having a goal for, to strive to be the best that you could be, you're just trying not to be somebody else or not to fall into that situation. Instead of pursuing our best, we're just going for a cheap knockoff of someone else's life, always comparing ourselves to one another. So what's the win? Like, what, what's the win? Have you thought about that? As we set up for this, you know, what's the win? I'll show you a couple of of my wins or me and my wife that we have. And these aren't like, hey, you should write these down and make them your wins. These are just wins that we have. And I didn't like, we didn't, we don't have this embroidered on a pillow in our living room. You know, these are just things that we kind of have lived by. And as we began kind of the relationship of getting married, we were uh, engaged at the time. We kind of figured out early on that we needed to make our relationship kind of number one that we wanted to be um, number one in our lives. And so that's kind of our first, our, our win for our relationship is to always put our relationship first. And that meant in our career, that meant uh, with our kids, that meant with other relationships, you know, friendships and our parents even, that we elevated each other above anyone else in any other relationship. I know in, in uh, my line of work, I've had opportunities where I was kind of 
not into what I was doing. And so I started looking for other jobs and I found a couple that required a lot of travel of me. And so I went through the applications and interviews and we were like this close to saying yes. And then we kind of thought, is that really what we want? Will that build up our relationship? Will that kind of elevate our relationship or will travel kind of become the number one thing? And so we didn't do it. And for us, that was our decision. And that's kind of what drove us to do that. As uh, you know, we've kind of done things together. We make choices that will elevate our relationship. We watch the Celtics together. That's something that what's weird is most people, you grow up loving a team. We literally sat down one day and we said, we should start watching basketball together. Like we could just have a team and we'll just follow it and it will be great. And so we dove into that together, not because I loved it or she loved it, but because we wanted something as a couple to just talk about and enjoy together. And if you ask my kids this, and this might sound weird, but if you said, who does your dad love most? He would say, God's number one, mom's number two, and we're number three. And that might sound bad. Like you might think your, your kid thinks you love them less than they're number three. But my kids know that in order for me and my wife to be the best parents that we can be, we have to have the best relationship that we can have. And if when I'm at my best and we're at our best, then their life is at their best. And so we elevate that. That's kind of our win. And, and it's something that we've talked about, and it will probably change as we get older. You know, we're coming up on our 15th year of marriage, which is, just blows my mind. And it might change soon. Who knows? But right now, that's the way it is. With our finances, this is something that, you know, no one likes to talk about money in church. And don't worry, I'm not going to ask you for money this morning. But with our finances, like this is what we live by. We want to live on a responsible budget based on giving, saving, and making memories. That's what we do. That's what kind of when I get my paycheck on every other Thursday, my wife's the, the crazy lady that shows up at the bank and she gives them a little card and, and she gets all this cash out. She puts it in all these envelopes and we budget because we want to be able to give. That's a big thing for us, and we love having people over. We entertain all the time, so we budget to have people over for dinner. Like We set money aside for that. We set it aside for always having popsicles in the summer because kids come over, and we want to always have popsicles. And yeah, those are like you know a couple bucks a piece, but we make sure we have that set aside, and we want to save, so we make sure we do that, and we want to be able to do some small vacations here and there, and we set ourselves up on purpose. If you ever heard of Dave Ramsey, he's like a, a big financial guy. He's quoted, he said, it kind of is obvious, so it's not really a Dave Ramsey quote, but he said, no one wins the Super Bowl by accident, right? Like no one just shows up at the Super Bowl like, how did we get here? I don't even understand this. Like no one does that by accident. It's because they plan, they work hard, they know what they're striving for to get there. So just like that, like what are, what's the win for you in this season of your life. And you might be someone who got dragged here this morning and you don't, you know, know Jesus, you don't know church, you don't even know anything about what we're doing, but we can all kind of agree on this, right? Like I think this is something that's practical for everybody that we all kind of need to define what's the win in our life? Where are we heading? And so because we are in church this morning, we are going to bring the Bible into this. We're going to kind of talk about a win statement of someone from the Bible and kind of see how they define the win for their life and what it costs for them to get there. And so we're going to talk about Saul of Tarsus is his name. And you might not recognize that name, but that's what Paul or the Apostle Paul, he began as uh, Saul of Tarsus. And his number one goal, his win for his life was to stop Christianity. That was his goal. He said, I don't like it. 
I don't want it, and we're going to stop it because he didn't believe that Jesus you know, rose from the dead. He didn't believe that Jesus was who he said he was. So he didn't want anyone else to believe it. So he lived his life on a mission to stop it. He put people in jail. He beat them. He persecuted them. He had people killed. And so he did all of these horrible things because that was the win of his life. Now, I'm not asking you to model your life after that, but he then met Jesus and then he became going by his Roman name of Paul. And so the apostle Paul steps into this life where all of a sudden everything that he thought was true was not. And now he's got a new kind of phase in his life. And he turns because he encounters Jesus and he realizes I was way off the mark. So now he's left with, what am I going to do with this time that I have left in my life? What am I going to do? He meets Jesus and he it totally changes the direction of his life. And maybe that has been you in the past. And so we're going to check in with him. He says this in 1 Corinthians, where we're going to kind of camp out today. And if you don't know what 1 Corinthians is, it's the, the Corinthians are a people, and there's a church there, and Paul's writing to them. So Paul wrote most of the New Testament, or a huge chunk of it, and there are letters that he wrote to these churches and these people. So he's telling them, I am the least of the apostles. Okay, like the apostles that, that walked with Jesus. He's like, I'm the least of these guys. I don't even deserve to be called one because I fought against those guys. Like I persecuted them. I was doing all that I could to stop them. Like I don't even deserve to have the word apostle in front of my name. He says, I, I didn't deserve to be that because I persecuted the church of God. And then he goes on, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I love that phrase. I am what I am. Paul says, like, I know what I did. Like, he's not lying about it. He's not, you know, like, like, you know, flashing up on Instagram that I'm not what I am. You know, he says, I, I am what I am. And by the grace of God, his grace out to me, it was not without effect. He says, I encountered Jesus and it didn't leave me unchanged. Like I encountered him and it changed the direction of my life forever. And that's because of the grace of God that I got what I didn't deserve. That's what Paul's saying. And so he says, because of all of that, because of my history, because of who I was, because now I know where I'm going, I work harder than all of them. He's like, I'm like the best apostle there is now because I show up first and I leave last. I talk to more people, I cover more ground, and I did all of this stuff because I know what's been forgiven of me. He knows the, the price that he has to pay. And so he adopts this kind of win statement for Paul. He says, though I am free and belong to no one, okay? Though I'm free, I belong to nobody. I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. So Paul's win is to win as many people as possible. He wants to, to invite people into a relationship with Jesus. That's his win. That drives every decision that he makes. That drives every place that he goes. That drives every conversation he has. That drives the, how he spends his money. That does everything for Paul. Is That's what drives his win. He says, I, I've made myself a slave to everybody. And so you're like, well, Paul, like, how do you, how do you do that? And so he says to the Jews, I became like a Jew. And you're like, well, Paul, you are a Jew. Like you are Jewish. So it's kind of easy for you. He says, but no, I became like them to win them. I did everything that they did, but I did it even better. I set the bar the highest that when I walked in, they're like, this is the best Jewish person we've ever encountered. That's Paul. He says, I, I became like them so that I could win them. 
to those under the law. I became like one under the law. For those who like converted to Judaism, he's like, I became like them. Though I myself am not under the law, he says, I did it so I could win those under the law. I did everything I could, removed all the roadblocks so that there was nothing standing in their way of meeting and encountering Jesus. He says, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. And we're going to talk about that real quick. And basically he's saying like for the Gentiles, right? The people like you and I, like I'm, I wasn't born Jewish. I would be considered a Gentile. Like those people, I became like them. I ate like a Gentile. I talked like a Gentile. I walked like an Egyptian, right? Like I did all of these things to make myself like one of them so that I could win them and earn their favor so that I could you know, earn influence in them, so that they could trust me and know who I was. And he says, though I'm not free from God's law, which is the Ten Commandments, like the, the Sinai Code given down, he says, though I'm not free from that, I'm under Christ's law. And Jim's talked about this a lot over the past couple months and kind of the whole um, what Jesus did. And so Jesus basically, what Christ's law is, is on the night of his last, the last Passover that he had with his disciples, He's talking with them, and he's like, you've heard of all these laws. He's like, but I have one command for you. He's like, I have just one. He's like, I know that there's 10, and I'm not saying that those aren't good. I'm not saying that those aren't right. He's like, but I have one. So you don't have to remember all the 10. He says, I want you to, I've, as I've loved you, I want you to love others. As I've loved you, I want you to love other people. So he's like, if you do that, the other 10 are easy. Like you can't, you can't break one of the 10, but keep Christ's law. Like it's just, you can't do it. So he says, I'm under that law. And though as to win those not having the law. So I did everything I could short of sin to reach these people. He knew what the cost was. He says, I became to the weak. I became weak to win the weak. I've become all things to all men so that, by all possible means, so there was no hindrance in the way, that they had no reason not to, that I might save some. He was on mission, right? Like he had a plan. Have you ever met someone like that? That like you just encounter them, and you're like, that person knows where they're going. Like they know what they're doing. They are living a specific dream, and they're chasing it. And then Paul kind of gets a little philosophical on us. Like he starts going after these sports analogies. And he says something that's just earth shattering. He's like, do you know that in a race, all runners run, but only one gets the prize? I bet you didn't even know that, did you? That when people line up for a race, like all the people run, but only one person wins. And you're probably thinking, Brian, it's 2021. Everyone's a winner, right? <laughs> like my kid participated and they deserve a ribbon. But no, Paul's like, no, sorry. Only one person gets the prize. And I think what he's trying to say here is I think he's, he's, he's likening it to life. He's like, you know, in a race, you see who the competition is, right? Like, you know kind of the direction that you're going. You're either running in a big loop or it's a cross-country meet or whatever it is, but you know the plan, right? Like, you know where you're heading. You can see who's competing. Once that gun goes off or whatever, the whistle blows, you know how you're doing. You know if you're at the front of the pack or you're at the back. In football, like, you know, there's the other teams lined up ahead, uh, across from you. You know what down it is. You know how far you've got to go to get a first down. You know where the end zone is. 
like in sports, you have a time clock, right? Like you have a countdown to know when's the game over. And it's so much easier. But in life, we don't have that, do we? You might be thinking, I'm 25 years old. I've got so much time left in my life. Or I was, uh, this week, I, no joke, my son's been making fun of me about it. I asked Google how old I was because I forgot. I didn't know if I was 36 or 37. And so I asked, I'm 37, I lost the whole year. But I, you know, I'm kind of thinking to myself, like, I'm getting close to that middle of the road. You know, like, I don't have a, a ton of time, but I don't really know how much time I have left. Just kind of like going off of society and how the average person who also carries around this extra weight in the middle, like, how long am I going to live? And I don't know. But in a race, everyone knows what the prize is, and they run after it because they can see what they have to do. And in life, I feel like we have a lack of urgency sometimes. Do you feel that way? Like you're kind of like, well, I'll, I'll save later. You know, like there's Xbox just came out. Like I've got to get the new one. And after I buy that, I'll save. How many people have started a diet and you said, I'm just going to eat a few good things before I start that diet? My favorite time in life is that weekend before the diet starts. I live for that. I almost probably fail at diets because I love that phase so much. Like pizza gourmet, they, they answer the phone, they're like, whoopie pies, barbecue chicken pizza, starting the diet on Monday. Yes, I am. You know me too well. But we lack urgency, don't we? That our marriage, you know, like I'll put time into it later. I've only been married five years. Like I've got time. With my kids, I've got time. I found this app the other day, and I put my kids' information in there, and Jude is just finishing his fifth, uh, fifth grade. He's finishing his fifth year or whatever that is. He's in fifth grade. He's finishing it up. And it said that I have 379 Saturdays left with him before he goes to college. 379. That seems like a lot, but that is not a lot of Saturdays. If your kid is a freshman in high school, they have 171 Saturdays. That's nothing. You know, like you think like, oh, they're just a freshman. They're just fifth grade. That time goes by like that. Just like we don't even know. But we live like we have all the time in the world. And if we don't define what the win is, it'll just get pushed further and further down the road. We can't just hope that things will happen. Have you ever kind of done that? Like I sat in the parking lot this morning at an hour or two early and I'm just sitting there like, I can't pray that this will go well this morning, God. Like I, I'm out of time. So it either will or it won't. But we can't just hope that things, you have to put the work in. Do you know that all these people run, but only one gets the prize? And everyone who competes, okay, everyone who competes in these races or these, these, um, these competitions, they go into strict training. I don't know if we have that slide, but everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. And so this, these games that they're talking about, they were called the uh, Isthmian Games. I can't even pronounce that right. But it's like a mini Olympics. It's like this time in, in Corinth or in Greece, and they kind of have all these games of running, and there's different matches, and there's like fighting, there's boxing, there's all these crazy games that all these people participate in, and they train for months to be a part of this. They train for months. They put their bodies to the test. Have you ever met someone training for like a marathon? 
Like they just, they train all the time. If you're a boxer, I've never been a boxer. That scares me to get into a fight. So I could never have someone punch me in the face for fun. But those people, they, they box, like they train for that. They put their body through insane training in order to win these races and win these fights. And it says they do it for a crown that will not last. Back in this time, they literally got a crown made of leaves. Could you imagine doing all of that work to get a crown of leaves? But these people did it. They worked hard for that. If you've ever seen the, the uh, have anyone seen the Rocky movies? Come on. Every pastor dreams of being able to share a Rocky movie story. But you know the, the movie, I can't remember which one it is, probably like the 15th one or the 13th. And so Rocky, uh, Apollo Creed, right? He's retired, I think, and he's going to fight the Russian, right? You know that one. And so this Russian, he's like a machine. He is like born and bred to box. And then you have Apollo Creed. He's like, it's just an exhibition match, right? He's in his red, white, and blue shorts. He's taking pictures with babies, and he's doing all this stuff. And Rocky's kind of like, dude, you got to train for this. He's like, I got this. Like, I'm Apollo Creed, right? And then, I don't know if you, spoiler alert, Apollo Creed does not win, he actually dies. And so he doesn't finish because he doesn't train for it. And so Rocky goes along and he goes to Russia and he's out in this wooden cabin out in the woods. And he trains like never before to fight this Russian because he knew the cost and the price that he would have to pay. And spoiler again, he wins. It's great. And so the, what's funny is as I sat in the parking lot this morning thinking about the Rocky movies because they're awesome, I was thinking, you know, Rocky trained differently for every... I can't believe I'm talking about the Rocky movies this morning. He trained for every fight differently, though, didn't he? Like, he wasn't in the mountains when he fought Apollo Creed the first time or, you know, uh, Mr. T and all that stuff. Like, he trains a little differently no matter because the fight is different. Your life is not my life. My wins are not your wins. You have to train differently than I do, but we all have to get there. So he says this. He says, therefore, I do not run aimlessly. If you've ever watched Friends, I remind me of Phoebe. Have you ever seen her run? It's ridiculous. She runs just like arms flailing. That's running aimlessly in my mind. And so he says, don't run aimlessly. Like someone who's just, you know, jogging along, no clue where they're going. I don't run aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer just punching the air, like just kind of pretending to go through the motions. He says, I don't do those things. It's, it's way too important for that. He's like, I can't just do like the least amount of work to get the biggest payoff. He says, no, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave. I watched Kong this weekend and he's like beating his chest. That's what he, he like makes his body his slave. He says, I want to win. And so you're going with me. We're doing this. I'm going to put in all of my strength and my effort. And he does all this so that after I've preached to others, after I've done what I've set my life out to do, I'll not dis be disqualified for the prize. That I'm going to lay it all out, right? You've heard great coaches, like just lay it all out in the field. You've got to do this. You have one shot. Paul's basically, his point is this. He says, you know, I'm going to prepare and I'm going to compete as if my competition was lined up beside me and standing in front of me. I know that there's an enemy that does not want me to succeed. I know that there's an enemy that doesn't want me to manage my money well, that doesn't want my marriage to succeed, that doesn't want my kids to be successful and to be good people. So we need to define what's the win. 
Have you put in the work? Do you know what you're striving for financially, relationally? You know, are you hoping to get debt free? If that's your, if that's your win, what are you doing to get there? Wendy's is not helping you. Like Starbucks is not going to help you get to that place. You have to have a plan. Professionally, what about your career? Like, what are you doing there? How long have you been there? Are you still in the same spot? Why is that? Do you have a goal in mind? What's the win for you professionally? Like, I know I've known people that they, they kind of move up the ladder and not everybody's meant to do that, but are you kind of making strides to be better and better at your job? With your marriage, are you putting in the work? Like, I, you know, I've done a lot of weddings and, and I hate doing the vows where they say, like, to death do us part. Like, what a low bar to pass, right? Like, you know, that in, you know, in my worst, like, and it sounds good, but like, what are you doing to make sure that that's going to be the least of your worries? You know, like, we shouldn't just slug it out in marriage. You should do it together and have a win that puts you up and says, this is going to be the best marriage I've, I'll, I'll ever have or ever have the opportunity to have. Because you only have one first marriage. And I want it to be the best that it could be. And I need to put the work in to make it the best that it can be. And I think 2020 is a perfect example of what it feels like to not have any wind to find. Because I think everyone's life just kind of went in 2020. Like, if we're honest, that was a brutal, brutal year for a lot of people. I had a friend that we, I met with him the other day, and we are talking, and his entire industry is just like non-existent right now. Like his, he went to college, he trained for this. He was traveling as a, a, to do sound with like big tours. Like he was on tour with the Jonas Brothers, you know, over in like Korea and stuff. And, or he was somewhere and he's like traveling for months and months. And then it just ended. And his whole career is like, when will that happen again? You know, and so he's kind of at that, he's kind of this season of his life. It's like, well, what am I going to do now? What's the win now? And so your win will change. Your season of life will change. My kids, my oldest is in fifth grade. He needs a lot of different things than someone who's, you know, a freshman or a sophomore or a senior in high school. Maybe your kids are gone. So now your parenting shifts. You have a whole new set of wins. Maybe your win is just to see your kids once a week. I don't know what it is, but it's going to be different. Everyone's win is different. You only get one season. Each season passes, and then you go to the next one. You're only in your 30s once, or for 10 years, but you're only in your 30s once, and then you have your 40s. What are you going to do with your 40s? Are you just going to waste them, or are you going to define a win for those and make them the best years of your life? And the reason I think this is so so important. And if you aren't a Jesus follower today, like I hope you got something from that. I hope that makes sense. And maybe you'll look at some of the important areas of your life and maybe it will make a change for you. And that's great. But if you are a Jesus follower this morning, this really isn't optional. This is kind of like why we do what we do. This is why we're here because everyone competes, right? Everyone competes for our time, for our resources, for our, you know, for our attention. Everyone competes, but only few people will actually win the prize that matters. As you raise your kids with purpose, as you do marriage together. So don't run like someone who runs aimlessly. 
Don't just go through the motions of life because it won't get you where you want to be. Like no one's, the, the, uh, the NFL draft is coming up. No one in this room is getting drafted. You can't hope you're going to get drafted. You can't close your eyes and pray, Jesus, just let me get drafted by the Patriots. I'll read my Bible every day, right? Like we've all prayed prayers like that, haven't we? Where we haven't really put in the work, but we're just hoping the big guy upstairs will just let us slip through. That's not happening for anyone in this room. Jermaine, maybe. He's played some football. That guy probably could do it. But no one else in this room. We, don't, we haven't prepared for that. We aren't striving for that. We haven't put the work in for that. Make your body a slave. Box, don't box like someone beating the air. You've got to put the work in. So to close, the last thing I'm going to say is this guy, Matthew, he wrote the Gospel of Matthew, and he walked with Jesus, and he wrote down his eyewitness account. Okay, this isn't, you know, he didn't like find this story somewhere. He lived this story, and he wrote this down. He, he heard Jesus speak these words, okay? And he heard Jesus say, let your light shine before all men. And I think if he was here with us, he would say, let your life shine before all men. Let the way that you love your spouse point people to Jesus. Let the way that you share of your resources or the way that you just bless other people point them towards Jesus. Let the way that you work as an employee, you know, the way that you clock in every day and the, the look on your face and the quality of the work that you do and the way that you just encourage other people around you and make everyone better, point people towards Jesus. Let the way that you raise your kids point them towards Jesus. Point others towards it. Because here's the thing. All of us in this room, we all put things out into the world. And if you're a Jesus follower, you're putting things out there that's pointing people to Jesus in either a good way or a not so great way. And I think we could all agree that there's been a lot of not good things being pointed towards Jesus. That we need to be better. That we need to say, like, I'm going to fight with all that I am to make my marriage the best so that we can not fall into the 50% of marriages end in divorce, that we are going to be the percentage that doesn't, and we're going to up that, that we are going to be people that give like no one gives, that saves like no one saves, so we can give like no one gives, and that we can raise kids that have purpose, that know where they're going in life. So what's the win? Because winning is much better than not winning. Let me pray for you. Chris is going to come up and sing. God, we love you. We thank you so much for this opportunity to come. This opportunity to serve you, God. We just thank you for your direction, for Paul's life, God, for the things that he's done. I just pray that you will challenge each person in this room, that we can find out what, at this stage in my life, where I'm at, what's the win for me? What's the win for my kids, for my, my marriage, for my wife, for my husband? We pray with you be with Jim as he's at home today, not feeling well, God. We pray that you will just begin to heal whatever's going on in his body, God, and give him the strength and the energy for a new week. And we love you, Jesus. We thank you so much for all that you've done. In your name we pray.